Welcome to episode 138 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. Guys, remember two years ago when I performed my solo play, The Commandment, at the Hamilton Fringe? Well, I'm doing it again. I'm taking The Commandment to the Halifax Fringe, and I just found out that I'll also be at the Fundy Fringe Festival as well. And I'm going to perform The Commandment in Toronto on August 16th at the Red Sand Castle Theatre for one night only. You can find details about that on my company website, homebodyproductions.ca. You know, if you like the podcast, I, I hope you'll leave a comment or rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your ratings and comments do help new people find this show. Or you know what? Even better, if you know somebody that you think might like the show, tell them about it. Some of my favorite podcasts became my favorites because somebody I knew told me about them. If you want to drop me a line, you can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website at StageworthyPodcast.com. If you want to drop me a line, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PhilRickaby, and my website is PhilRickaby.com. My guest this week is Christy Bolton of Hamilton's The Understudies, who are presenting their improv show way off-Broadway at the Staircase Theatre in Hamilton as part of the 2018 Hamilton Fringe. Uh, are you in rehearsal right now? No, no, I'm no. at home. No, I mean like not right now, but like oh. these. Days <laughs> yes, yeah, we are. We're um, <laughs> we it's it's hard with improv because like you can have um, an idea of like what the uh, you know the beats of the show are just for like the offers and everything that you're gonna get, mm-hmm. but you just like run the run the gauntlet every time you rehearse and just hope that you make some good scenes i guess i guess you you your best bet is to just sort of i mean i guess I, that's sort of the question is is like when so you're doing an improvised musical mm-hmm. well right. it's it's uh sort of like that for the first part of the show what we're doing is we're getting offers and incorporating um songs and music into scene work so it's all kind of like randomized at the beginning um, brought on by different offers from the audience and then for the last portion of the show for about the 10 to 15 minute mark we put on a whole musical so that the audience gets a they don't have to sit through an entire long form show because sometimes that can be especially with musicals that can be really uh, a hard sit if it's not going well so, um, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever seen um, Whose Line, but when everybody feels it when there's like a scene that is just like grading. So, um, what we what we like to do is we'll have our our scene build up um, and do like a whole bunch of different offers so the audience is just, you know, more engaged. And then at the end, we put on that 10, 15 minute musical. Mm-hmm. So, how yeah. how do you rehearse for this? 
Well, we meet in um, Andrew's basement. <laughs> He's one of the troop, Andrew Hops. And it's um, Andrew Hops, Adriana, Alfano, Marta Lass, and myself. And um, for the past two and a half years, we've been meeting in basements and um, rehearsal rooms. And you just play together and laugh and you talk about the... Um, you know, different goals that you have moving forward. And um, you talk about what you're trying to achieve, to, you know, during the rehearsal versus for the show. And um, it's a lot of planning um, the games and the offers and making sure that there's a nice flow. But really, it's just getting together and making stuff up. And the troop is called the troop is called the understudies. Is that is that right? Yep. The understudies. And you guys, you guys, uh, this is is this your third friend? Your third Hamilton fringe? It is. It's our third friend. Nice. We, uh, yeah, it's it's been a bit of a wild ride. Our first one, um, we did. We, they've all been at the Staircase Theater. Um, hashtag Team Staircase, and um, they've all been at the Staircase. But we've gotten to progressively bigger rooms, mm-hmm. which has been pretty cool. So yeah, third fringe. What was your first one? What was your first fringe? What was the show? Um. Well, with the understudies, the first show was called Act One, Scene Two, and we took a bunch of different popular media, and we would use those as the offers to recreate, you know, nostalgic stuff from childhood, or um, use offers like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles mm-hmm. to make a scene, and it was it was really fun. Um, last year, we did a really a show that actually we started for around the Valentine's season, and it was called Swipe Right for Love, mm-hmm. and it was all about terrible online dating experiences and drawing from that and creating scenes. Okay. Yeah, and this year we decided we wanted to just push ourselves to do something completely out of our comfort zone, so we ended up taking a class at Second City in musical improv for um, about three months and uh for two months and just decided that was what we're gonna do in the fringe because we wanted to push ourselves to do something more has there been any point during the process where somebody has been like what the fuck were we thinking when we thought of doing a musical (laughs) a million times i feel like that's what everybody does with a show though in general like you can be so confident one minute and the next you're just like what the hell have we gotten ourselves into and we don't have the luxury well, I guess it's like sort of we don't have the luxury of having lines, but at the same time, it's also extremely freeing mm-hmm. because if you mess up one scene, that does not mean like we have each other to always like have each other's backs. And we're, you know, we're so tight knit and we know each other so well that we're always there to support each other. But if you're feeling a little bit low, it's one scene that you can leave and you don't have to look at mm-hmm. and you can just bam and hit the next one out of the park. Yeah. So that's kind of the beauty of improv but yes there have been a number of times where it's just like holy hell what have we done to ourselves you know i guess i guess it's part that you sort of mentioned that's like all the time and that is kind of like the the excuse me the 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 whole creative process is basically you know what a great idea what the fuck was i thinking no wait i think it's still good what the (laughs) fuck was i thinking until finally you get to the point where you're like okay no i think we're okay yeah and it's it's I saw actually a really funny meme about this the other day and it's so funny that we're in a generation where we're like I saw this meme but um and it's it's like any creative process starts off with I think this is a great idea this is shit this is shit why have I done this, this is the worst piece of shit I've ever created until you finally get to oh okay that was actually pretty good this is but phenomenal you know, and like there's no in between I do think that there is a 
that going through the this is shit process is kind of, I think it's essential. Like, because it makes you question what you're doing. Have you ever, I mean, have you ever Mm -hmm. seen uh, stuff where there's, like, they obviously never questioned? Like, Oh God! Well, no. I, you know, like I, you know, there's a, I'll occasionally come across something, and you can tell they've they think it's brilliant, and they've always think they've always thought it's brilliant, so they never questioned mm. the brilliance of the piece. Yeah, I guess you know what I have seen a couple shows like that where you go and talk to the cast after, but they're always the shows that kind of suffer because I feel like if you don't question, like what you said, if you don't question if something is good or if like what you're producing is actually worthwhile or you're sending like either a message or you're bringing joy or doing something that's um, got a motivation, you're not going to grow. You're, the show's not going to grow. You're not going to grow as a performer or as a creative. So if you don't question it, what's well, I mean, the that point? is the truth. That is the truth. I mean, that like, I like, like we're both, I think we're both saying like, it's important to question it. And if you, if you oh, don't, yeah. you're kind of missing an essential part of the creative process. A million even times though, even though, like, like that whole questioning part may not be pleasant because it's never just <laughs> questioning. It's usually just like, why did I think this piece of garbage might be good? <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I, this is actually my, I think it's my ninth mm-hmm. fringe. Um, and uh, a couple years ago, I wrote and produced a production called The Yellow Wallpaper. And in this show, we had this like eight foot wall of lycra and wood. And I remember putting it up and building it and just thinking, what the fuck was I thinking? Why did I think that this would be a good idea to have this giant of a set at the Hamilton Fringe? Like I've made a huge mistake and my whole cast was just like, no, it's fine. I was like, no, why are we doing this? And it made me question everything about the show and then at the end, people were like, that wall was the best part of the <laughs> set. Oh, my God. And you just kind of sit there and you're like, okay, then maybe okay. So, all you know, the 15 pounds I lost of, like, stress is, is worth it. I look gone. I have, I have a question about that wall. Was, was that, I mean, for Fringe, when you're putting up a set, like, what was the, like, was that a difficult thing to to get up every time that you were doing it? Or... <laughs> yeah I mean, god thank god for the players guild they were so sweet to us they were just like if you need an extra 10 minutes you take it and they're just like such a lovely group oh my of god um, so kind of fringe i was like oh my god i know fringe is like i remember one time um have you ever performed in the fringe oh yeah I, two two summers ago i yeah. had my solo show uh the commandment was at uh the hamilton fringe Oh, yes, I remember. Totally. Yes, I remember your show. Um, but yeah, um, I there was this one show I was in years and years and years ago. And we had our first audience and we had this giant set. I don't know what the producers were thinking. It was huge. And we had um, a pig on wheels and um, like all of these giant set pieces. And because we dipped into our performance time putting up the set, they turned on the lights before the show was over and ushered. Oh no! That's like yeah, it was that is the fringe nightmare. Oh my god! Yeah, and you're just like standing there, 
and they're clearing people out and you're like, do I still perform? But no, you can't. You have to take down this giant set and just stop the show. And it was like, it's the kind of thing you're, as an artist, you're just like, oh my God, my heart, yeah. it's breaking. Well, oh, I mean, everything is breaking. at most fringes, you know, if you go over a little bit the first time, they were like, here's your warning. How far mm-hmm. over were you when they did that? Oh my god! I don't know. Ten minutes. Oh shit! Ten minutes. Okay, you know you deserved it. it. I'm sorry to say. Yeah, you totally deserved that. (laughs) You deserved it. Luckily, (laughs) you know what though? It was Mm. it was my first fringe, and like a bunch of our first fringes, and the director was so like committed to having this giant set, and like this show. I have you ever had a show where it just everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong? Yeah. It was like a domino effect. Like our props broke. Um, this one guy was like late, almost like 15 minutes to the show and ran on like not in costume, just in oh like regular God. clothes. And there was like a million other things that went wrong. And it's just, you ca- and you know what? You bounce back from that stuff and it's such a learning oh, experience absolutely. you'll never forget it. You're just like, okay, this is, this is the creative it's, process. I mean, it's, it is, it is the creative <laughs> process and it's also, it's also, uh, uh, fringe because nothing makes you think fast in a crisis like fringe and also like you, Ugh. go and ahead that's the go same ahead thing, yeah. I was just going to say that's mm-hmm. the same thing with improv right is that it's every every moment in improv is mm. a beautiful crisis because you're constantly like what's coming next I have to be so ready it's like you're that you know when you get that feeling when the hairs mm-hmm. on the back of your neck stand up and you're just like taut like your whole yep. body is taut that's that's improv and doing that in the fringe 10 shows in a row is just like it's insanity because you're just and doing it with singing you're just wound like a bowstring well i mean the thing is that you're doing i mean i know the staircase has a a minimum uh, number of performances that you that you do which is actually more than you would do at a regular fringe venue um what kind of Mm self-care are you are you doing for yourself uh to get through all of this well uh, you know what? A lot of tea, <laughs> a lot of uh, lemon tea, and oops, sorry. And um, I think it's just recognizing that rest is mm. important because you know the fringe. Like you want to go out every night and see you know yeah. six different shows, and then go to the fringe club and have a drink and hang out. But especially with a show where you're singing and where you have to be mm-hmm. energetic all the time, you just it's it's a weird trade-off because I would love to be out there all the time, but I also recognize that I, you know, rest is so important. And it's, it sounds like some, I'm such a little old lady where I'm just like, watch out children. If you don't rest, you'll lose your voice. But it's like, I think, but you know, I think that it's, it's one of those things that, that, that we forget about because fringe is a slog. And I think that, um, and, and, you know, I've been noticing a lot of you know there's a lot of rawness in fringe because often we're so close to the thing that we're doing that you know a bad review Mm -hmm. is like hurts a little bit more or like even a mediocre review can hurt a little more than it normally would and so self-care becomes super important at a fringe festival because you just like you're just going you're just always going and talking about the show and talking about the show and promoting the show and all this stuff and that you don't often take the time that you need for your own health. Ugh, it's, yeah, preach. <laughs> it's so true. And you're right, like, you're so closely tied to it. And it's it's like this this baby that you have. And then when someone gives you a bad review, it's mm. like they kick your baby. 
And you're like, well, how could you do that? Do you not know how much blood, sweat, and tears has gone into this? But of course they don't. They're there no. to be entertained. Like, I remember um, last Fringe, this one guy walked out of one of our shows and we overheard him being like, that doesn't look so hard. I think ah. I can do it better. It's like, <laughs> like, I want the launch out. I'm like, you want to go? You want to try this? Why don't you get up on stage? I'll give you, yeah. I'll give you an offer. And he's like an obnoxious audience member but it happens right and you you grit and you smile and you say i mean the you. thing is i mean they don't know right as far as they're concerned all that you're doing is yeah. getting up there and fucking around right you know it's not even like it's not even like they it's see so the work that goes behind it because they don't actually understand what goes into it right and it's just like you you almost want to take them i wish they could do backstage like at fringe and just take eager audience members and what or like even asshole audience members and like walk them through and be like this is what a day feels like as a performer just so you're aware like it's chaos but it's beautiful you know what i think that's a perfect like i don't know like instagram takeover right there um for like the hamilton fringe or something is to be like Put it. Put the the phone in the hands of a different artist every day and show what Fringe looks like, from going from venue to venue to promoting to hurrying to have some dinner to reading a review or whatever that is, and just struggling through that. That's so true. That's a great idea. And I mean, I mean, sure, it's also a great way to promote. But I mean, we I think that audiences actually do want to go behind the scenes. They just don't have the mm. opportunity. So because of that, they think, well, that's obviously easy. Yeah. And it's, I think it's the same kind of thing. Like when you want to, the first time you feel like you want to be on stage or you want to perform, like you have no idea the energy or the the tears and the sweat that goes into actually being a performer. And then when you find that out, you have so much more of an appreciation. But I feel like until until you see that all it's it's the same thing like when your electricity goes out and you get really frustrated you're like why doesn't this just work why doesn't this just work it should be so easy it's that same kind of misunderstanding of the process speaking of of when you first realize uh, first realizing when you wanted to perform what was your like what what was your mm-hmm. intro to performing was that was that improv was it comedy was it theater what 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 was it for you uh for me personally um I think when I was when I was uh, seven, my parents took us to go see a production of Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. With oh, the famous Donny Osmond Technicolor yeah. Dreamcoat. I was in theater school when that was on. Yep. I was. Oh, were I remember you? that. Oh, that's awesome. Um, we actually saw his last performance because he had an anxiety attack at um, intermission oh, and left. Uh, yeah, and a swing came in, and my little brother was, I think, four and a half, and he stood up and started yelling, "That's not <laughs> Joseph!" But, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, I think it was then when the narrator walked out, and there was smoke, and like she just started singing. Um, what's that famous line? Like, um, oh, how does I it don't start? even remember. You know, the honest truth uh, is, I don't know the musical that well. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's okay. There's like this moment she's like, some folks don't have anything planned. They hide their hopes in the head. Oh, yes, sand. yes. And I just remember her like singing and I just had, I never mm. felt goosebumps before. 
and at six, like everything was goosebumps. And then Joseph came down when the coat was like behind him and waving, and like it was like the mm-hmm. length of the stage. And I just remember being like, I want <laughs> to go to there, <laughs> just desperately wanting to be one of the kids that was singing on that stage and in one of those bright colored shirts, just going. Ah! And so uh, I think that was that was the moment for me and ever since then it's just been something that I have sought out and do and improv improv started in high school a little bit but then I took it I, I didn't do anything with it until I was in um out of university and went to the staircase one day um and just realized it was this incredible community of people and comedy is so much fun in improv like stand up oh god no stand up which, which is funny because you know oh, I do a solo god. show but to me, that to me, that's extremely different. I was gonna say, yeah, no, it's. I, I feel like with stand up, you're you're there and you're raw and you're you're like people are waiting mm-hmm, for you mm-hmm. to fail almost. But with improv, it's that they're there to laugh with you, and because there's this understanding that it's all happening at you know on the spot and it's not planned they're so along for the ride the most most of the time and they're just mm. so ready to be present and participate and the energy is so different and the community of people it connects you with it's i don't know it's magical there's mm. a reason they say the mm. cult of improv because it is it's like a cult <laughs> once you're in you're when in. <laughs> after you saw that that production of of joseph what was the next what were the next when you were like i need this is what i need to do what was was it hard to convince your family to help you do it or were they on board? Well, they were always on board for it to be a, a pastime. Um, uh, not so sure. much for it to be like uh, a career. I actually, yeah, I, um, I wanted to go to theater school. Uh, but my dad, my dad had this dream that his three kids would all okay. graduate from university and um, that was super important to him and my mom passed away when I was pretty young so like it was you know the sole parent having this like dream for your kids and he'd given us so much growing up like I I had an audition for Sheridan's musical theater program and bailed because I was and I had an audition for York as well and bailed because I was so nervous that Mm -hmm. I was going to fail and that I wasn't quite good enough because when you're just out of high school you don't have you know some people have the confidence, but I found that I just, I was too nervous. And so I went to McMaster for um, mm. theater and multimedia because my dad said, as long as I double majored, he was okay with me taking theater. But it, it, it was still an amazing experience. Like McMaster has a great theater program, but it's not. Yeah. Now. yeah I did. Like you said, you went to theater school, right? I went to George Brown. So where did you go? Back in the day. Mm-hmm. Sure, and yeah. they have a great theater. Program. I mean, at the time it was like uh, I don't I don't so, keep on top of these things, but it was the I mean, everybody was like it's the best one in Canada outside of the National Theater School. So I was like, sure, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, uh, all of those programs are different, and it's only now that I'm really starting to realize yeah. how different they are. Oh, it's like you can't even compare them. You might learn some yeah. of the basic form, you know, formats, but. Well, they all have it's, their own different you know, curriculum. It's totally and their own different way of approaching things. Mm-hmm. So, at what point? I mean, you were you yeah. went to you were doing your double but, major for uh, theater and multimedia, and 
uh, at what point did you find, was it while you were doing that, that you uh, 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 joined the cult of improv? Yeah, um, it was actually after. Um, I was, um, when I graduated from Mac, I I kind of fell into a job um, in my in the multimedia field, which was really lucky, but it stopped me from pursuing any theater stuff for a while. And so for about a year and a half, I didn't do theater. And then, um, like I said, this, this guy told me to come to the staircase, who's a buddy of mine. And I thought, okay, I'll try it out. And um, it came at just the right time. I'd actually just been laid off from that job, my first big girl job. And uh, I, that was, mm. there was this like healing power of theater oh, and improv. Sure. I'm sure you felt it too at some point or another. Yeah. And um, when I found improv, I actually found that I enjoyed it as much or not more so than mm. musicals and theater, which have always been like my, my thing. And it's led me to some pretty cool opportunities in short films and um, doing uh, voice work now with the Infinity Forge and all kinds of other really great opportunities at second city and it's it brought me with my with the troupe so it's uh it's been a bit of a whirlwind you know i've been there for about four and a half five years now at the staircase but the understudies have been together for about two and a half years so yeah there's it's just improv is i don't know it's just something magical about it I when wish you I went to that first night at the staircase magical. was it a class was it just a performance what was it that you were seeing that so captured you um, you know, it was, part of it was the people, um, and part of it was that I was learning a new skill. It's like when you stretch a muscle, you haven't stretched for a while. And I remember just sitting, um, and watching other people perform and I thought, God, they're so quick. They're so quick and I'm not that quick. And I got up and I, you know, I had this really inflated ego about, how good I had been in high school at improv. And when I got back yeah. up on stage, I sucked. I was terrible. I actually got called out by the teacher at the time. And um, he was like, I get the feeling that you think you're really good at this. That's like not a good opening. That's not, a, 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 that's like, not an opening <laughs> that you really want to hear the end of. I know. I know. <laughs> but like he brought me down a notch. He was like, "You have a lot to learn, and you've got the basics, but like you gotta, mm -hmm. you gotta check your ego at the door." And being called out like that, you either you have one of mm -hmm. two options: one, you never go back there again yep. because you're either angry or you're embarrassed, or two, you're like, "You're you're right. I've been an idiot, and I need to like be open to learning." And I just remember, even though he'd said that, I still felt really welcomed and warm. And it, again, I mean, anyone who's seen improv can understand that it's, what's the word? It's like all encompassing. You're just watching it and you can't figure out how they come up with their ideas. And half the time you're laughing, yeah, yeah, yeah. the other half you're like, how did you do that? Even as a performer who's been doing it now for, like I said, four and a half, five years, you're still, you watch people and you're like, oh my God, mm. how did you come up with that? But yeah. I mean, but it is a muscle, right? So the longer you do it, the the better you get. Even yeah. even some people might, you know, four years, you'd be some people might be like, oh, you really don't hit your stride until you've been doing it for 10 years or whatever. I don't even know if that's a thing they say, but. 
Yeah, no, it's true though. I mean, you always, I don't know, you've, you've probably felt this, that glass mm. ceiling that you hit when you've like, feel like you've maybe done all of you can, but you have to break through it. And so that's why the four of us decided to go mm. um, to second city to try out the, um, the musical improv because Mart is, um, well, he's been doing improv now for 15, 16 years at the staircase. And um, he's definitely the most seasoned mm. and he's so strong. And um, Adri and I, Adriana and I had started almost at the exact same time as each other. And we were both, we threw ourselves into it. Adriana actually did um, so many classes. Like she was there as much as she could be. I was about half the time as she was there and she just like, just was like a Phoenix. She just exploded into the improv scene. And um, Andrew came a few years later after he'd been teaching at second city. Um, He'd been teaching French improv. And so when we were all at the staircase, Mart was the most seasoned, but like Andrew, Adrian, and I were still just discovering what our strengths were and what our, um, what our preferences were, what our characters were. And then we all realized after we'd been a troop for about two years that we wanted to do something different because you do, you get, you stretch that muscle and you work it out and you feel really good, but then you're, you think, well, what's next? What do I do? What do I keep doing to keep learning? Because if you don't keep learning, you know, you get, yeah, I guess sed- sedentary in your in your craft, and that's why we chose music because Mart had never done musical improv, and the three of us had never done it, and we all thought it would be a way to learn and stretch and you know magnify what we could do. And it's a really cool like it's I'm not gonna lie, it's a cool talent to be able to make up songs on the spot. I used to watch Wayne Brady and just be like, "How are you so good?" <laughs> Like he was amazing. And I think that we all just really wanted to try something where we could push ourselves to have a challenge that was both achievable, but would also. Do you remember what the moment was when you, when you realized that you'd hit that ceiling where you had to, to shake things up? Um, I think for me, I, I can't speak for the other three, but I think for me, I started teaching at the staircase and was getting a lot of joy from teaching and I would come to the classes on the Tuesday nights um, that they, they have advanced classes at the staircase for um, invited improvisers. And I was, I was getting something from the classes, but I, I didn't feel like I was contributing anymore because I, I was just doing the same old thing. And I found myself, going home and I I often come home after a class and think about the scenes that I did and the characters I did and take apart why I did that and whatnot um, as much as, you know, any other improviser can. And uh, I just realized I wasn't, I wasn't pushing myself. I was just resting on my laurels. And so we created the, the understudies and as a way to like perform more and actually get on stage and across the boards and, I went to a Second City show um, a couple, I guess a year ago now, and just was watching the caliber of improv and thought, I'm not here yet. I want to be here. And then the three of uh, the four of us just, just started talking and music was the next step. It was the next thing that none of us had done. And we just all kind of knew that we needed something different, something more. 
And the staircase has since like started doing some pretty amazing stuff. Um, they have this new program called Wildcard Wednesdays, and it's a different class each week focusing on different things. And they still have their Tuesday advanced and their Monday boot camps. But I think the four of us have all felt the growing pains of discovering this new thing. And it's been hard. I mean, I'm sure you can empathize whenever you start something new. Again, it's that ego check. It's like when I started improv, you know, four or five years ago, you got to really check yourself, check your ego and be open to not panicking when you're learning. Cause I don't, I, I mm. flight or fight. I, when I get nervous and, um, I find that this whole process has, it teaches you a lot about mm. yourself as a performer, but a lot about yourself as a person. And that's something that improv does too, because you, it's reactionary. And when you find yourself reacting negatively, well, you that's, that's go certainly true. And I think that, I think that it's, point. so you, you, when you mentioned the, the, you know, when you start to feel like, um, you know, you get to a certain point and you're just, you can be doing the same thing, but a lot of people, you know, they're doing the same thing and they figure they're good at that. And so they might not push themselves any further because it's really comfortable because trying new things is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And it's scary, you know? It's so true. But that. Oh yeah, absolutely. But don't you get the thrill of that? I, I feel like, yeah, I, I, I love that. I, I feel like you, you get that. It's that moment when it's terrifying to realize that you're not in an, I guess this is kind of a negative way of putting it, but it's not negative. <laughs> it's to realize that you're not as good as you thought you were, but that's important. It's like when you have a bit of a self-discovery moment, like if you, if you're, if you've been performing for a long time and you think I am so good at this mm. and then you go and mm -hmm. watch someone like Shauna McKenna at yeah, Stratford yeah. and you're like, I suck at this. Oh my God. I'll never be as good as her. But at the same time, um, it's, it's those moments I think that are so important. And instead of being negative and saying like, I'll never be this good. You have to take that leap and go, okay, fuck it. Like, how do I be better? And open yourself up to someone like telling you that you're kind of, well, you also, you know, I mean, you do, you do have to lazy. fail a and lot to get good at anything. Nobody picks up the guitar and is a virtuoso. Yes. The first time they oh do it, God. you've got to fall on your face a bunch of times before you can get good at a thing. Mm hmm. That's so true. And it is. You're, it's terrifying. Failure is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. your head around it. Failure is so scary. But I think, and it, we talk about this with improv all the time. It's that failure is important. Like it's, it is a huge part of the learning process. And it sucks that failure has such a like negative connotation around it because failure is how you learn. And it's not a negative thing. It's a something to look back on and go, yeah, I used to be like this, or I used to do it like this, or, okay, that didn't work. How do I make it better? It's a, well, that's the thing. Fail, I mean, and, and you, you know, learn? here's, you know, know, old man, Phil, there's a whole generation of kids who are like now, you know, being insulated <laughs> from failure. And so they're not really learning the lessons that, that failure Which teaches. So and, um, they don't quite know how to deal with it. Like, um, you know, if you've never, if you never, if you never had to fail when you were a kid, when you fail in university, that's a massive thing. I failed a lot when I was a kid, but you know, um, 
as I think a mm-hmm. lot of us did. But uh, like, I, you know, trying new things is still is still really terrifying. You know, I always get, I always realize that when something new is proposed, my gut reaction is, oh no, no, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. <laughs> Um, and that's, it's at that point that if I realize that I'm doing it, I have to, I have to go almost immediately from that to, oh yes, no, I know what this is. I know what this is. This is, this is lizard brain afraid of, of of change and be like, well, okay, if we're afraid of change, there's a reason for it. So yes, but that's such a hard switch to make. Yep. Well, nobody and that's nobody wants to fail because failures, like you said, it's scary. But I feel like you're right. There's the shel- the sheltering aspect doesn't help anybody. And mm-hmm. if you can't no, pick absolutely. yourself up, how far away is the ground? You'll never know. Um. But yeah, no, so I agree what, with you. What have like that's been yeah. the things that you've learned from failure while you've been. Uh, uh, working on this show, which is called, is it way off Broadway? Is that how you would say it? <laughs> yep, that's it. <laughs> way off Broadway, because we are way off Broadway. <laughs> um, things I've learned from doing this show. Ugh, there's been, there's been some hard moments, um, to be honest, because I love singing. I love being in the spotlight. I love, you know, karaoke and musicals. And I, I just, I, when I sing, I get (laughs) so excited that people are hearing me on stage. And it's like, it's so egotistical because I'm just like, oh, I hope they think I'm good. But (laughs) it's like deep down, I I have a confidence that I, I, I know that I have a nice voice, but that also has made me incredibly nervous on stage. Whereas my other improvisers all have beautiful voices, but um, because they aren't trained singers or haven't done performing um, in the same capacity that I have in musicals mm. and had that background, they're more uninhibited than I am because they they aren't as concerned, I guess, in the same way that I am about sounding pretty they're more worried that what they're saying is hilarious because it is and um what they're doing is for the betterment of the scene whereas personally something that i've struggled with is stepping you know it's again it's ego i've said that like 15 times during this this talk but um i get really Mm. wrapped up in the idea of sounding good versus substance and so that's been a really hard learning experience for me and it's put them in some precarious situations too luckily just at rehearsals because um i get in my head i mean do you do this when you uh if you make a mistake on stage or anything it's takes you you're out you're immediately you're just like oh god what have i done and you have to like get back into it and And, you know it's 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 harder because when i was doing my solo (laughs) show um if i lost the plot if i lost where i was for a second it's not like anybody can can help me um, I just have to try to figure out where I am right? if I've forgotten or whatever. Oh my God. And, and uh, you know, and that's, but even if you have somebody who's, who can help you, there's always going to be that moment of disorientation as you kind of, are, so, so when you're, mm-hmm. has it for you, has it been the, 
like, oh, I didn't sound as awesome as I wanted, and that's what took you out? Yes and no. Um, well, for instance, like, uh, I still feel bad about this, and he's told me it's fine a million times, but um, we did this every year. We'll do a preview of the show, so we'll put on the production that we're going to be showing for The Fringe about two months ahead of time, just to, like, test it out, make sure there's no kinks, and if there are, we work them out. We get feedback from the audience and from our um, uh, our friends and and peers and they tell us what needs working and twerking so that when we come to the fringe we have a really strong production so we did this back in may and i had a panic moment on stage which very rarely happens um to me when i'm playing with the understudies because i I trust them all so much but um i we were doing this game that i was really not comfortable with that we've since cut from the show because i panicked but um, um it was, uh, it's I, called irish drinking song do you know oh, it oh jeez yes it's the one where it's like yep. oh i did i did i did i did i did i did i and it was going so fast that and i was so wrapped up in my head about what my line was going to be cuz i had to like come up with something that rhymed with um or that kept with the story and rhymed and I was uncomfortable with the game, but I hadn't admitted it to myself. And then my, I was standing next to Andrew, and Andrew did his chorus, and I did not hear it. I was just so wrapped up in my head. I Time, like, glitched, oh. and I didn't realize that he had finished. And so when it came to my turn, I panicked. Oh, my God. Andrew and went, why are you looking at oh me? It's your turn in front of the whole audience. And I put him on the spot, and he knew that he'd sung, <laughs> but he was so courteous that he just did it again. <laughs> and I was devastated. I'm still devastated that I did that. And that's, I feel like that was a big learning curve for me because I kept thinking I was in my head because I was so desperate to be funny, to sound good, to, um, make sure that I was following a story and doing all these things that I wasn't being a team player. I was being very insular and very um, selfish. And it was a necessary wake up call because I, um, when you're doing improv, you have to trust each other. You have to um, be able to rely on each other. And when you're in a situation where you don't necessarily feel comfortable with your other teammate, you're both putting everybody at risk or like your team you're putting your team at risk if you're the one who's uncomfortable so i just was devastated i was like oh my god and that's that's something i've been learning is how to and this is the thing like you can do something for years and years and years and then discover that you have like something deep inside of you that you still need to fix (laughs) to make yourself better and my thing is that i i tend to um get so in my head i don't even hear people talking and it's it's rare. How long, but when it how happens, long after it's, you it's, did that did you ugh, realize that he had like gone? Cringeworthy. Um, oh no! About a minute and a half because uh, I made him sing through another round, and we finished the game, and I kind of like came to and went, well, "Oh no! Wait, what just happened?" And I went to Mart and I was like, did Andrew sing twice? Uh, yeah. 
because you panicked. And I was like, oh my God. And he was like super sweet about it, obviously, because we're all friends. But I was just, I was devastated. I was like, oh God. Because I'd, ma- I'd made a sure. fool of, not only just out of myself, but out of, you know, out of Andrew. So yeah, it was, I mean, these are the truth moments no. that you don't get when you're, you know, an audience member, no, right? You don't have those moments where you're like, oh mm. God, what have I done? Um, yeah. Have you ever had a moment that like it, that? Mm. Not, not like that. Not like that. Um, I've had, I've had like an epic <laughs> line flub that like completely mm-hmm. like made me laugh and I could not get things together for like days. Mm-hmm. Like I would, oh. I flubbed the line so badly and it was so hilarious that I just, I, and it was doing Hamlet. And so um, I, oh. I, the guy was oh, playing no. Hamlet. I had to test every day after that. Can I make eye contact today? And uh, for, in our first scene on stage, can I make eye contact? Nope. Okay. And so it was like almost like four full performances before I could make eye contact and keep things together. Oh, it was the oh, worst. God. It was the worst because so it was like this thing had happened and it took me so out and I laughed on stage, like out and out laughed on stage. And um, there was, so I was terrified of doing that, but it was also a really funny thing that happened. So it was like, I didn't want either thing. I didn't want it to happen again. And so I was um like I could not get out of my head. So it took days for me to be able to even really be able to play the role that I was playing. Oh my God. Oh, it's like, so and scary. you know what? It was my own fault. Cause you know, it, when you're in theater school and stuff, they say never joke about the lines until the show's over. Never joke yes. about the lines until the show's over. Oh. Well, I was joking about the lines and the show wasn't over. And so one of the jokes, because I thought it was so funny, and I said it over and over again after I found after I heard it, um, it came out and I said it during performance. And that's what made me Yeah, you know? So um Oh my god. It was like literally, and that's how I now like don't fuck with the lines until the show's over. <laughs> Well, <laughs> sorry, that's so funny. I mean, it's terrifying, but that's the one thing that's mm. kind of nice about improv versus stage is that when you mess up like I did, one, you have like the same thing with theater. You have people who are there to have your back and they'll like help you with a line or um, help you through a tough scene or something. But, you know, you can laugh with the audience. Because if the audience sees that happen, you know, and that, I mean, that's the, that is the the joy that you have. Like you can, like I, with this particular line flub, I, there was, there was no, there was like, there was no, no covering. (laughs) No, but it was, you know, but it fit with the the meter. It was like, so like it worked, but it was like, because I laughed, I couldn't get away with it. I was, Oh, uh, man. I, I was um, playing many roles, playing but this one happened guess. during the role of the player king. And just, you know, to, just to get it out, the line as written is Anon, she finds him striking too short at Greeks. Stage manager at the time uh, mm-hmm. thought, you know, they the crew would like do these little ridiculous cartoons and they thought that it would like that the, the player king 
uh, like beating up on two short Greeks was hilarious. And so they told me and I said, wouldn't it be funny if I yeah. said that anon she finds him striking at two short Greeks. And so I did. And so I did. Oh, so, no. yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I just laughed because um, I, I was uh, in a production of Hamlet when I was at McMaster. It was called Hamlet's Dorm. And it was actually, like, really cool. It was Hamlet, but we just taken out um, some of the uh, some of the text and made it so it was six different mm-hmm. people representing Hamlet's psyche and um, set in a more modern environment. But I do remember that scene and um, Hamlet is just not, there's no comedy really in Hamlet. There's like brief moments with Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, but I can imagine if you're just on stage. Oh my God. Like the, and the thing is that the that role is that supposed to like, be so oh my God. important and sedate and serious. And I fucked it up. I fucked it up huge. And yeah. the thing is that, that everybody on stage was laughing too. <laughs> Which didn't help. No, but of course. Oh, thank you. But it was oh, like, God. you know, they're all I, was, oh. I think it was the worst because I laughed. Everybody else probably could have got away with it. But anyway, um, so like when you when you fuck up like that and, <laughs> oh, no. you know, you can re- like you suddenly get so in your head that, you know, it's like, uh, you know, people talk about mm-hmm. the times that Olivier, um, not that I'm comparing myself to him, but <laughs> that he would like. He like he got would get stage fright, or he would like go through these phases where he'd be afraid of, of of losing his lines, and so he'd be like, "Nobody talk to me." He'd be so in his head that he was afraid of losing his line. Yeah, and it's when you're in your head and you're worried about it that that's when that sort of thing happens. And I get, I think that's kind of what happened to you in that game is you got way into your head. Oh my god! Like I. I wish I could say that I'd had it. Usually I ha- I have the poise to recover and you know, 99% of the time I can recover, but like even recently um, we were doing a show and I had food poisoning and instead of like recognizing that I had food poisoning and taking a bit of a back seat, I threw myself into a scene and, just created this really obnoxious character that wasn't good for anybody. And the scene suffered for it because I didn't recognize, again, this is something you have to learn, right? I didn't recognize that I should have just mm-hmm. let my team take the lead. And now I'll, like, I've learned that forever. And it wasn't like it was the worst scene ever. The understudies, I'm so grateful to say, have always put on phenomenal shows. Like we've always had really great feedback. I've had maybe two shows with them that I think the four or the four of us can agree were like mediocre, but they were still good because we're strong improvisers. I feel very confident saying that we're very strong. The four of us work really well together, but it is in those moments when you have to like take a second and think Mm -hmm. about what you've done and how it's affected others. It's not even about how they've, you know, if there's a situation where they've affected you, it's about how you affect them. And in something like improv, because you work so closely together, you have to be aware Mm -hmm. of what you're doing and how it's like affecting your team. And those learning experiences are fucking hard. They're hard, Mm. but they bleed into every other part of your life. Like I'm sure with this, like, you know, now, like you don't joke about the line, but at the same time, that's followed you since that happened yeah 
Yeah. And like, it's, you're better for it, but there's always still that like little bit of your conscious. I'm totally of, conscious of it. I'm totally you know, conscious you, of like, you, you know, if I hear and other I people like... fucking with lines, I'm like, let me tell you a little story about what happens yeah. when you fuck with the line before the show's over. <laughs> yeah. And it's so true. Like I do the same thing now when I was teaching, I, I taught a workshop series at the staircase um, about a month ago. And I had this phenomenal group of performers, um, both new and advanced. And I used a lot of like those terror moments that you hope that they don't have to go through so that you learn from and you can like tell them through your your like fragile wisdom <laughs> you're just like i did this well yeah thing. and i mean don't do well this you know thing. on the other hand you know never telling people not do to do a thing, thing is never going to sink in as much as when they do the thing so you know you could try to save them from that but oh, God, you know, know they are probably not going to really remember that in the same way that they will until years from now when they do the thing and they'd be like, you know, I remember now, Christy said, never do this thing. <laughs> I remember that now, but I had to do that thing to make it sink in. You're right. You're like a million times right. <laughs> it's so funny. It just makes mm. me think of that meme again. Like, you can do the thing. But um, it's God. And that's the power of theater, right? Is that it doesn't matter if someone tells you, and it's going back to theater school, you can try a million things and listen to your professors and listen to professionals and do all of the, um, you know, all of the work. But until you're actually doing it, you'll never be able to experience what that exhilaration is, what that fear is. No, what And that, it's funny because, you know, when you I know, was in theater school, they to used good. to say, eventually you will understand everything that I'm trying to tell you right now. You won't right now. And I was like, listen, you fucking old man, what are you talking about with that yeah. shit? Just don't, don't, don't give me that. <laughs> Just tell me what I need to know. Yeah, don't go through yeah. all of this rigmarole and one day you'll understand. And then one day I understood. And I was like, oh, oh. and late recently I've been yeah. like, I would love to go back to theater school knowing what I know now because I would approach it so differently. But mm-hmm. again, I mean, it's the things that you know now. Oh, like yeah. if I was still 19 and going through theater school, I probably would still be a punk-ass kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 be a little bit of an you asshole, know. like a little fool himself. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I was um, – I remember when I started uh, at Mac, I was like, I've been in four productions. I'm an <laughs> artist. I'm like, no, you're not. Shut up. Get out of your own <laughs> – get your head out of your ass. Like <laughs> – but you're right. You can't. And that's why, again, mm-hmm. we go back to failure. Failure is important. Failure is a part of like, and it's, I think it's the worst and best part about being a creative person. Because if you're like someone who works with numbers or you work, like, let's say you work as an accountant and you do your math wrong. Like, you don't think, oh, math <laughs> this is a growing opportunity. No, you just fix but like when you're a theater person or you work in the arts you have this beautiful opportunity to you know take the things that you've learned about yourself from being on stage or being on camera or writing or directing or producing and you have this these moments where you can really like learn and grow as a person along with Mm. your art like it's so special 
who gets like what other profession gets to do that? It's hard, but I feel like absolutely. you become well-rounded if you can do it well. Absolutely. Christy, where can we find you online? You and the understudies. Well, you can find us all over the place. We have all kinds of social media, but we are on Facebook at um, just uh, the Understudies Hamilton, and you can find us on Twitter. We're Understudies Ham, and we are very active on Instagram, which is also Understudies Ham, both the same Twitter handle um, as Instagram. And uh, yeah, our, we're all over the Fringe website and teams, hashtag Team Staircase. And where can and, we find you, Christy? Yeah, we're just really pumped. Yes. On the, on the internet, what's your, do you have your own Twitter or <laughs> Instagram that you want to share? Um, I have my own uh, Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'm just at Christy.Bolton uh, for both uh, Facebook mm. and Instagram. I'm not really active on Twitter, to be perfectly honest, unless you want to read the Bolton Blurt, which is a daily newspaper that goes out. What, what, is, the, what Twitter, is the Bolton is really Blurt? Funny. What does that do? <laughs> it's like such a... It's this like it's this newspaper thing I curate, um, and it goes out daily. But I, uh, it's I don't publicize it very much because it's such a like almost forgotten internet thing. I don't really know how else to describe it. But I sometimes have people being like, "Oh, I remember the Bolton Blurt was really good yesterday." I'm like, "You read that?" So I'll I'll pitch it now. But um, you can also just find me and um, the rest of the other studies at the cool. staircase. That's usually where we're hanging. And up, the the Hamilton Fringe uh, starts. Uh, uh, when does the Hamilton Fringe start? Uh, um, Ooh, it starts ah, yes. on the night. Yeah. So by the time people are hearing this, they will actually we will be in the middle of Fringe. Um, you will be tired. You will yes, be we, uh, you will all you be in the middle of doing 10 performances. Um, I hope that you're hydrated and caffeinated mm-hmm. and uh, that you're having a good fringe. <laughs> Thank you. This has been a Homebody Productions production.